just because you have a credit score doesn't mean you have to wrap your life around it and make sure that you have the highest score. It's not a badge of honor that we wear. It's just a system that we use. And from time to time, you will borrow. Um, and that's okay. Just make sure you're doing it wisely. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts. My name is David Thompson. Here with me is Leo Sabo. And today we're talking about some things that will affect your FICO score. There have been several updates and changes that are being rolled out through the major credit bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. So Leo, what does this look like in your life as we talk about the credit score? Well, I love to just read about what's going on. I uh, kind of start my day actually with a, with just a, a brief overview of the market, how things are going. I'm, I subscribe to a particular service that just kind of sums it all up and sends it to me as an email. So I enjoy getting caught up with that. And some of the things that have interested me, one of them is FICO score. Uh, there's been some changes over the last year or so, and there's been some changes that I think will positively impact uh, our FICO score. So I thought we'd, we'd maybe talk about those a little bit. But let's start with just a, a brief overview of what the FICO score is for some of the folks who may not know or may not know how they work. Uh, basically, it's a credit score based on our credit worthiness, meaning are we worthy to have credit extended to us, whether it's a mortgage, uh, a loan yeah. for an automobile, whatever it is. And the score ranges from 300 to 850. And you can have a score based on whether you have bad credit or excellent credit. And it kind of goes like this, 350 to 620 is bad, 620 to 660 is fair, 660 to 720 is good, and anything over 720 uh, is considered excellent. It's really probably higher 700s is excellent, but it's very good if you have over 720, and most of the time you can get the best rates with a score like that. Yeah, it's essentially a system that is built around trust. And can we trust you if we lend you this money, can we trust that you'll pay it back? Right. So you wouldn't give a five-year-old a credit card because they would, you know, buy a chew ton of candy. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they chew it first. <laughs> yeah, they chew it up. Uh, they'd buy a ton of candy and they don't have any income to pay that credit card off. So you wouldn't give a five-year-old a credit So it's, it's trust. You know, let's say you have an 18-year-old. Well, you know, maybe that 18-year-old is great at managing money, maybe not. And so the company is looking at, hey, can I trust this person? So they'll give them a $500 credit limit mm -hmm. or maybe a couple of years later, a $1,000 credit limit. Right. And then a couple of years later, a $5,000 credit limit. Hey, you know, can I trust you if I give you $200,000 to buy a house? Can I trust you with that? And so um, we've talked in the past about, you know, my feelings on this system. <laughs> so I won't go into it too deep here, but definitely go back and listen to episode 10. Uh, and I think it was episode 53. We were talking about the credit freeze and get a little bit more of the history of this thing, but it does. It says, can I trust you by giving you this money and will you pay it back on time uh, and at the fair interest rate or the interest rate that has been set up in the agreement? And so let's look, look a little bit at how that credit score is weighted. Right. So we know that they're basically giving you a score from 300 to 850. And if you're at 300, they're saying, I can't trust you with any money. If you're at 850, they're like, hey, we'll trust you with tons of money. We'll just put it in your hands knowing that you're going to pay it back because we have a long history. All right. Well, let's talk about that history. The first uh, most important factor is your payment history. Have you been paying your debts on time? Mm -hmm. 
And this is something we're going to get into a minute with some of the new FICO score stuff that's really cool. Right. Uh, but let's say that you have a few credit cards or you have a car loan or you have a mortgage or any kind of debt. If you're paying on time every month, you've got a great history. If you look at a, a pie chart of 100%, well, 35% of the weight of your score comes from paying on time. Right. Paying on time is the most important thing you can do. Yeah, which makes sense because basically what that says is I am responsible at yes. managing my finances. I can pay my bills. I don't borrow beyond what I can do. And so it, obviously that's going to be the biggest impact or the biggest factor that these agencies are looking at when it, when they calculate our score. Yes. Now, the next biggest factor is the amount that you owe, uh, the amount of debt that you that you owe uh, in the amount of debt that they've extended to you. Right. So let's say that they've extended uh, or they've given you a line of credit for $100,000 and you owe all 100000 of those dollars. Mm -hmm. They're likely going to lower your score so right. nobody lends you more until you've begun to pay that balance down. And let's say now you've paid it down to 50000 and they're looking at it saying, oh, okay, you... You owe fifty out of that hundred thousand. Okay, well now now we feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, we'll raise your score up because you have a history of paying it down. But that loan balance, that ratio, is a big big deal. Leo, what's the next one? The next one is length of credit history. So one of the things that they have always looked at is how long have you been borrowing, and looking at the payment history and the amount that you actually borrow. But that's in the length of credit history of how long you've been doing this. So if you've been doing it for a short period of time it tends to be looked upon as more negative because you just haven't done it for a long time. So they don't know if they can quite trust you yet to borrow and pay things on time. But over time, as your credit history increases, you have more and more credit that you've managed over 10, 15, 20 years, then obviously that's going to increase your score, meaning they're going to say, hey, you've been responsible for a long time, therefore your score will be higher. And that's 15% of the equation yeah. uh, that they take into account for the credit history. It's just like a relationship. You know, mm -hmm. the, I first meet Ashley and, and you know, she's interested in me. I'm interested in her. And so she says, hey, I, I, you know, I trust you enough to go on a date with you. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, I trust you enough a few months later to call you my boyfriend and make it official, right? <laughs> and then and then six months, a year later, hey, I trust you enough to commit to marriage with you. And then a couple of years or a year later, whatever the time frame is, mm -hmm. then I marry you and I trust you to spend the rest of my life with you. It's that, it's that history. It's that time that we've yeah. spent together. And they're saying, hey, the more time that we've seen you borrow and pay back, we feel more comfortable with you. Right. Uh, the next is new credit. And this is when, uh, let's say that you're going out and looking at a house or you pick up two or three new credit cards or a new car loan. And they look at your account and they get a little bit worried because they're like, well, why is this person borrowing more right now? Mm -hmm. And the more you borrow and the more you borrow, for a little while, they get nervous and they lower your score. So it makes it harder to borrow more in the future. Because if you're borrowing, they're worried that there might be a problem or an issue of why you're borrowing. And if you're, if you're taking out new debt today... Well, they don't want you taking out even more debt the next day and the next day and the next day. And so they lower your score a little bit. So anytime you go out and get a new credit card, your score dips a little bit. Yeah. Anytime you get a car loan, it dips a little bit. Yeah. And typically what you want to do is if you're looking to, let's say, take on a mortgage in the next few months, you want to limit opening credit cards or any other type of loans because, again, you don't want to have this new credit that's you just started and all of a sudden you're jumping into a mortgage. So if you're going to make a big purchase like a mortgage, you really want to keep those down 
uh, in the few months prior to this. And, you know, David and I always recommend, you know, you don't need to have 14 credit cards. We need to do a show on how many credit cards a person really needs to oh, have. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Um, but, but ultimately, you just want to limit that, right? Uh, just have one or two credit cards that you are using consistently and you're responsible with, and then your credit score uh, will, will be good. Yeah, it'll go up over time. This goes right into the last one, and it's the credit mix. It's the types of credit that you have, and this is weighted in that pie of 100%. It's weighted 10%. And so this credit mix is your credit cards, your car loan, your mortgage, your home equity line of credit, your furniture loans. They look at all the different types of borrowing that you've done. So if in your life you've only ever used a credit card, and now you're about to ask for a mortgage, Mm -hmm. once you have that mortgage, they're like, okay, this person can manage credit card debt and mortgage mortgage debt. And then they see you have a car loan. Oh, wow, this person can also manage a car loan. They begin to get more and more comfortable with it. When they see you with just one type of debt, they think, okay, they've they've only ever proven themselves with one type. So let's be a little hesitant to give them a second. And then they got to prove themselves to get a third. Uh, It doesn't mean it's only 10% out of the 100 but it is interesting, you know, if you only have credit cards and no other debt then or no other lines of credit, then they're going to kind of look at that as a negative thing. And it, it's not the end of the world. It's only 10% of your score. You don't need to go out and get a car loan and a home loan just to increase your <laughs> yeah, score. Right. I wouldn't yeah. do that. And but actually, some know. of the, yeah, and some of the changes that are, that are being made or have been made will have a less of an impact on your credit score yes. because you don't have a credit mix of every type of credit that's out there. And always use wisdom. I mean, just because you have a credit score doesn't mean you have to wrap your life around it and make sure that you have the highest score. It's not a badge of honor that we wear. It's just a system that we use. And from time to time, you will borrow. Um, and that's okay. Just make sure you're doing it wisely. And the score just kind of, we've always talked about this as it's something that we have to keep an eye on, something we have to manage, but not something that we base our life on. And uh, so, but it is important. It's important information that affects us. A couple of things that are also, I mean, there's probably more than two, but there's a few things that affect our credit score uh, that are not just financially related, meaning that you're not borrowing something. It could be the type of uh, expenses you have outside of your, let's say, credit cards, mortgage, loans. And it could be your history of paying on time your rent, right? Some some landlords or companies will report if you're not paying on time your rent. So it's important that you understand that there are other things that credit agencies will receive. There's reporting that's done on you that could negatively impact you. It's not just credit cards or loans. It could be utility payments. It could be other things. So those will show up on your credit score, especially if you've not you know, usually they don't show up because you've done it right. It's, it's because you've done it wrong. You've not paid on time. That's usually when those reports are put on your credit score. So just be aware of that. Those kind of things will negatively impact your credit score as well. So this is where it gets interesting is because this year and in the future, they'll be rolling out a few more updates. But there are a few new things that they are adding to and removing from not the overall factors, but how they look at each factor. So, Leo, tell me a little bit about medical debt and what's going on in that world. So one of the things that they looked at is the most of the people who have medical debt are, you know, when you think about medical debt, it's not like you're out there, you know, getting sick just so you can spend money on on medical bills. Right. right? It happens to you. It's not something you willingly participate, so to speak. And so they looked at that and said, you know, should we penalize people for having, you know, hardships, medical hardships? And so they determined that it it was not a good thing to do 
uh, to look at that and really judge people based on that because it does happen to you rather, rather than something that you make a choice on. So they decided they're not going to make that part of the equation. Another factor, though, is that when you think about how the medical industry works, I'll go to the doctor or, or let's say go to an emergency room and I get billed. And usually that whole process between the insurance company paying their portion and me paying my portion could be as long as 180 days, sometimes even longer, but it's several months long. So if let's say I go to the hospital and I don't get, I don't pay the bill right away because my insurance hasn't paid or I'm keep going back and forth with them. What's my portion? What's their portion? If it's, let's say, three months in, they could just choose to report me. If they report me, it negatively impacts my credit score and my credit history. But it's not really accurate because I haven't really done anything wrong yet. I have not right. chosen not to pay. I'm just waiting for the insurance to pay their portion yeah. so I know what my portion is. So what they've decided to do is not only not include it, but at the same time, if there is a medical issue where you haven't paid, what they've decided is any reporting has to be more than 180 days old, meaning that oh, if, wow. yeah, so it's, so what's happened is it's given that time uh, for the issue to be resolved before it actually gets on your record, which then is much more difficult to take off of your record. So I think that's a great thing because in some instances, yeah, I mean, if, if you're not paying your bills on time and you should have, let's say insurance company pay their portion, but you're not paying yours, there should be some negative to that, but should it be to the extent where your credit score takes a huge dive? No, because again, it's it's something that's happened to you. It's not like, well, I guess if you went and had plastic mm. surgery and you refused to pay it, I guess maybe that that's an issue. But when we're talking about emergency type of uh, healthcare, uh, I don't think that should negatively impact people's FICA scores. I think that's bad enough that you had to go through it and you're still trying to pay off that debt. And most people do. Uh, the statistic is that over 90%, uh, closer to 95%, of people pay their bills when they find out that on their credit report there's a medical bill that has not been paid. Sometimes they don't even know, right? The insurance pays their portion. They don't receive any kind of information from the healthcare provider that they're delinquent, and it just goes on their credit report. And when they find out, most of them pay, pay that down because they might have not known about it or they thought maybe the insurance covered it. So in that situation, I think it's a great, great improvement to just somewhat remove that almost altogether from the equation. Yeah, well, this is really good. Uh, I had never heard of this until recently. So a quick recap, uh, Experian and some of these other credit reporting companies, they no longer display medical collections on the credit report until they're 180 days past right. due. Right. Uh, and the good news too is that they don't weigh medical collections and debt as heavily as other types of collection accounts. And some don't count it at all, especially if it's paid off later. Right. And that's a really big deal because just like Leo said, it's not necessarily um, an indication of you being a good manager. It's something that came out of the blue and may have hit you, mm -hmm. caused you a, cost you a ton of money, and now you're making payments, you're paying it off. I had this personally happen, uh, you're talking about that insurance situation where the insurance company was supposed to pay something, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. And so it said, okay, this bill's 30 days past due, 60 days past yeah. due. And yeah. the insurance company was supposed to cover it 90 days past due. Well, finally, it showed up on my credit report and I got really annoyed. And I called the insurance company and said, guys, we've been talking about this for a long time. Now it's on my credit report. You need to get this off. Right. And so they were able to remove it and they went ahead and paid it like they should have from the very beginning. Yeah. And we dealt with it. But it's, it's one of those things that's very frustrating and annoying when it's a medical bill that you know, you didn't go out and make a foolish spending decision that you couldn't afford. You ended up in this situation and now you're waiting for the insurance company to pay. So I think that's a really cool update uh, and, and it's being put into place right now. Yeah. There are other items such as like library fines and traffic tickets, uh, which used to be 
uh, on the credit reports, but those are being removed or have been already removed, so they're no longer part of the report. Also, tax lien and civil judgments have been removed from the reports and will no longer impact the score. So that's that's really good news because some of these um, are not, um, I don't know if that they're really a good example of whether you're managing credit responsibly. You know, some of these things are, are outside of that area of borrowing and paying back. Um, yeah, they're they're still indicative of, of, of who you are as a person, but there's so many specific issues that come along with those that I think it would be, I, I just thought it was a better idea for them to not take those into account anymore. So I'm glad that they've removed those because there are, you know, I don't know what the percentage of people were that, uh, that had these kind of issues on their credit reports, but su- supposedly it was, you know, several million uh, that it impacted. So that was a good move. Yeah. So the next thing that we'll be looking at is that old consumer debt that is paid off it remains on your record, but it will not count as strongly against your score. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool because once you've paid it off, they're recognizing, okay, you may have been late. It may be behind, but eventually you paid it off. And so they're not going to wait that yeah. the same way. Well, and also if you think about it, if they look back and say, well, you, there was a season where you borrowed a lot and we should count that against you. Well, no, if you're responsible to pay it off, then why should it count against you? It's actually should reinforce the, the, the fact that you were responsible and you did do the right thing. So I, I thought that was a great move. Why, why count those things that you were responsible for against you? They, they should come for you. Yeah. Now, one of my favorite things that they're adding is that people who have never borrowed in the past, uh, who have no credit use history or no record, they essentially have a zero credit score. And it's not a zero because it really only ranges from 300 to 850, but have a no credit score record. Yeah, they have no history. Low. Yeah. Right. And so they look at it What's going to happen is the credit scores are beginning to open up different portals where those people can give their data to the credit score company and they can say, no, look, I have I have paid my rent on time. Mm-hmm. I have paid my utilities on time. I've paid my cell phone on time. And they can actually show the savings accounts, the money that's yep. saved, the, the ongoing income that is consistent over a long period of time. And the credit companies will begin to take some of that into account and begin to open up a little bit more uh, easiness of borrowing when you have a big purchase coming up, but you've never actually borrowed before. Now, again, we're talking about borrowing, not always Leo and I's favorite subject, but this is cool because if you're going to buy a house, but you've never had a huge credit history, but you could show the credit companies, now I've got a long history of uh, great employment. I've got um, 10, 20, $30,000 in my savings account. That's going to supply a lot of weight uh, and, and a lot of safety in lending to somebody. And so they're going to help that be more favorable for people who don't have any kind of credit score. Yeah, the, the change that David's talking about is what they call the ultra FICO score. And what they plan on doing in short is to allow you to give you the option to include your checking and savings account as part of your credit history. So what happens is now they they can see how you're spending your money, whether you're being responsible, whether your account goes into overdraft or any of those things. So it just gives the uh, lenders that are looking at your potentially borrowing from them more ammunition to say yes or no. And in a case with somebody who doesn't like to borrow for, let's say, mortgages or loans or for cars and those kind of things, this would be something that would give them that credit worthiness without having to borrow a ton or have all this diverse type of credit uh, that they've taken out in order to prove that, hey, I can handle this one thing that I want to borrow on. So I think it's a, and again, it's 
it is something that you and I get a chance to do. It's not automatically done. You have to opt in to have that. So I think that's great because not some people say, I don't want that stuff on my right, credit right. history or my record. Uh, and others will say, hey, actually, that will help me to actually borrow when I do need to borrow for the specific things that I do want to borrow. So I think it's a great addition. Uh, again, it's the ultra FICO score. Um, and that's what it's intended to do is to help lenders assess people who don't normally borrow like most of us do, which is credit cards or auto loans or those kind of things. Yeah. And you may never want to give them that data and that's fine. But let's say that you've never had any kind of credit history or report, but you could potentially prove uh, that you're a good person to lend money to and you want to buy a house and it helps you to have a low interest rate. It could save you thousands and thousands and literally tens of thousands of dollars with a lower interest rate on your home mortgage by using this data. And it's an opt-in, which I love. Now, the fourth and final one uh, that is new is that consumer debt that's not paid in full will negatively impact your credit score. Uh, the more you pay of the balance, the better for your score. So let's say that you borrow $1,000 on your credit card. It used to be that if you just paid the minimum payment, that $25... Or slightly above. Or slightly above, right? Mm -hmm. If you were just covering the minimum payment then they would say, okay, good, you've, you've paid it. They would say, we trust you. And they would look at it and just say, okay, you paid 25 and you still owe us 1,000, but at least you paid that 25 mm -hmm. or that 50 or whatever that number was. Now they're looking at it slightly differently. Yeah, and I think it's more for those that are between a very good score and an excellent score. I think for those who have an excellent score, we're talking you know, upper 700s to up to 850. This, is, this really comes into play because for somebody who will have an excellent score, what gets them there is that they're actually paying the credit cards every month. They're paying them off in yeah, full. paying them off in full, yeah. which is what Leo and I recommend yeah. 100%. If you and, can't pay them off in full, there's a problem. Yeah, and when you do that, you'll notice because I keep a, I keep pretty close uh, track of my credit score. And I've noticed because a lot of my transactions go either through my debit card or my credit card. But I always pay it off at the end of the month. I spend based on my budget. I just use the credit card as a form of payment. And what I love is that as I do it, I can really look at Credit Karma on the app and I can see how it affects it. And sometimes I'll tell you, I have noticed, you know, even a five to 10 point uh, jump up or down based on when the report was taken. So for instance, if I, let's say just charged a, my, my whole vacation on my credit card and it caught it before the payment was due and it said, oh, your, your credit utilization went up you know, 4% this month. So it'll ding me two, three points for doing that, maybe five points. But then as soon as I pay it off, it jumps back up. So again, this is mainly for folks who uh, have a very good score. And if they pay it off in full, it just keeps them on that very high level. I think that's where it's mostly going to have the biggest impact. Uh, of course, as David said, it's always a good idea to pay off your credit cards in full, avoid paying that interest. But I, I don't think there's a big difference here other than the fact that, uh, They've looked at the data and said, okay, people who pay it in full uh, are people who deserve that higher score because they have more leverage, they have more income, they're obviously managing things very well. And that's what we would love to see for all our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I think this one makes a ton of sense because if you are only making the minimum payment, but you have a ton, a ton of debt, then they should probably lower your score a little bit so you can't add more new debt to that. Yeah. And so Leo and I would say, hey, always pay it off in full. It's extremely important. Even if you have paid off the card and you leave that account open, but it's already paid off, since it's paid off, 
it actually benefits you because A, it, make, it makes your utilization ratio very low mm -hmm. because you've utilized 0% right. of the debt that you have access to. Anytime that you begin utilizing more than 30% mm -hmm. of the debt that you have access to, so let's say you have a credit card for 1000 if you're using more than $300 on there, that's a 30% plus re uh, utilization now that would go across all of your debt. So if you just had one credit card that was a thousand and you had borrowed all one thousand on it, but then you had ten other credit cards that were a mm -hmm. thousand. So you had ten thousand dollars of lines of credit you could use and you've only used one thousand, yeah. then it's ten percent utilization across all your debt. But this is this makes sense to me that they would say, look, if you have a lot of debt and you're only making minimum payments, we're gonna get a little bit nervous and we're gonna lower your score just a little bit so you can't borrow as much, so you don't get into too much trouble. All right, and then the final thing that we want to remind our listeners of is the credit freeze opportunity that opened up last year where the credit freeze is now free, which is a huge, huge deal because identity theft and people that get access to your social security number and then they open up credit and debt accounts in your name. Mm -hmm. That has been rising and rising because you have things uh, like the Yahoo account that was hacked and millions and millions of people's emails got lost and stolen. Millions of people's credit scores, or not credit scores, but their social security numbers, uh, access came out, Experian, all of these leaks and issues. Now you can freeze your credit report, which means that you tell the credit reporting companies to not lend you any money mm -hmm. unless you personally call in with a specific PIN right. that nobody else in the world would have or would be able to find. And you say, look, the only time I want you to ever lend money to somebody in my name with my social security number is if they give you this PIN. Right. And that creates a level of safety because if somebody steals your social security number from, let's say that somebody goes in and steals it from the hospital where you went and you didn't even right. know. And this right. was 10 years ago and you're in a hospital in, in another state and all of a sudden that hospital gets robbed. You don't know about it. Now somebody's got your social security number. Mm -hmm. They go open up a credit card in your name. They open up whatever bank accounts in your name. Now you can say, no, 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 don't even open it up. Like anybody who has my social, that's not the security. The security is in this freeze and in this pin mm -hmm. that only I have access to. Now, the flip side of that is you can never lose <laughs> that pin number. Yeah. You've got to keep it somewhere very, very safe. But this is an awesome thing. It used to cost ten dollars mm -hmm. per uh, credit company. Right. So you've got TransUnion per freeze. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Per uh, for TransUnion, Equifax, Experian. And you had to pay them each ten dollars to freeze it. And then if you wanted to unfreeze it and call them and say, hey, here's the PIN number. Will you lend? Will you open up my credit report so somebody can lend me money? You'd have to pay another $10. And in different states, it was different fees. Uh, some states had rallied against this years ago and said, hey, we're not going to make our consumers pay anything to freeze their credit. Right. Uh, but this is now federal, and I love it. Yeah, I, I think it's such a great thing. And I, I would recommend freezing your credit at least a couple of times a year. Uh, or just leaving it frozen for a while. I think it's a good way of saying I'm not going to take on an additional credit card or anything like that because then I have to go through the, not necessarily hassle, but I have to unfreeze it and then freeze it back up. But the biggest reason to do this is just to keep your identity from being stolen. Uh, it's such a big deal today. It's so easy for your data to be shared somehow illegally that it just makes sense to have that protection. So we recommend it highly. Yep. So those are a few great updates that happened in the credit world uh, this year and the year before, and a few more things are coming, and we'll keep you up to date. Uh, we love to just kind of keep 
keep uh, knowledgeable in these areas and it's a lot of fun to keep an eye on it. And so we'll keep you updated as things change. Uh, again, put this in the framework of your overall financial life. Uh, in your overall financial life, debt should be at a very, at a bare minimum. You shouldn't be carrying debt. You shouldn't be walking with that over a long time. You should have a plan to remove debt from your life. You should have uh, long-term, you should have planned to put debt in your, into your budget. Mm -hmm. You should be putting money towards saving right. and being generous and giving. And so uh, we're not encouraging debt, but we do recognize the value of the score and the trust that we have in the United States to be able to do business with different people and the ease of the transactions. And so it's a love-hate relationship, as we've talked about in the past, but this is really neat. And so we will keep you up to date. Yep. And just a couple of resources as a reminder, uh, to get your annual credit report, you can go to annualcreditreport.com. If you haven't done it in a while, it's a good idea to pull your report, look at what's there, if there's anything that shouldn't be there. You know, aggressively tackle it. Make sure that you clean up your credit report. It means a big deal. Uh, the other thing is the credit score itself. Uh, how do you get a credit score? We touched on this in episode 53, but you can go to Credit Karma with a K, creditkarma.com, and you can get your score there for free. And there's a couple other places. Nowadays, really, you can get it from your credit card companies. Your bank usually has it attached to your checking or savings account. So just keep an eye on it. Uh, it's a good idea to just look at it maybe once a month. If you see a major... Uh, downward trend, and maybe somebody's got a hold of your information, so stay on top of it. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode. And if you've enjoyed it, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. If you subscribe, it'll download automatically to your phone or your device every week, and you'll always have access. New episodes come out every Monday. And so we are now on episode 65, Six. uh, 66, <laughs> which is amazing. Yep. So every week for 66 consecutive weeks, we've been putting out this podcast and we would love for you to rate it with a five star if you feel it deserves it and then put a little review on there and share it on your social media. Uh, there's a button on your phone and it says share. You click the share button, you put it on your Facebook, or you send a text to somebody. That's that's almost just as good because it's such a personal connection and say, hey, uh, I just heard this podcast. I think you'd enjoy it. Share it via text with somebody. Uh, you can also connect with us on social media, David Thompson and Leo Sabo. You can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, and you can go to the website, leosabo.com and click on the podcast section and learn more about the podcast and see all the episodes that we've done. You could also go to stewardshippastors.com and connect with some of the resources and tools that I've been building there to help churches build stewardship ministries and serve people. Uh, so, you know, we'd love to have you continue to be part of the conversation email us. Let us know what you're thinking, what questions you have. A lot of the episodes that we create come from either questions that are emailed in, but even more often, just conversations that we have. People that we run into uh, either through work or through friendships or uh, just one off and they say, hey, I really enjoyed this episode, but I didn't understand this. Can you break it down? And we'll jump back on and we'll share more. Uh, so you can always find the show notes to this episode and more content and resources at leosabo.com. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right. Yeah, and you may never want to give them that data, and that's fine. But let's say that you've never had any kind of credit history or report, but you could potentially prove uh, that you're a good person to lend money to. 
and you want to buy a house and it helps you to have a low interest rate, it could save you thousands and thousands and literally tens of thousands of dollars with a lower interest rate on your home mortgage by using this data. And it's an opt-in, which I love.